Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Adam. And this is Amir. And welcome back to Musical Match Destruction. Today is episode six. And our first topic for the day, we are getting straight into it again, is going to be Three Days Grace. So, Amir, we got uh, Three Days Grace. So, you have anything you want to say about the band first? I think they're an amazing band, first off. Um, regardless of whatever vocalists they have. Um, you, you look at the history of the band, and they're one of those bands that, you know, just from the get-go, they really impacted the rock sound in the 2000s. I mean, there wasn't a single YouTube video back in the day that didn't have Animal I Have to Come. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. And, you know, we saw them progress and change up their style a little over the years as, as their career continued. And we even saw the departure of Adam to start new projects, which would be St. Sonia. And then we saw the introduction of Matt and his debut with the band. And obviously now he's on his second album with the band. And throughout the years, despite all the changes, they managed to stick together. And they've still managed to be relevant, even with music moving towards the softer side. You know, of course, 3 to 8th grade, they have their softer songs like uh, Never Too Late and whatnot. However, their signature sound is always there. And they haven't twisted up too much. And that's what I think a lot of people love about the band. And that's what I love about the band. The fact that, you know, it's just like Breaking Benjamin. The fact that they can keep their sound, their signature sound, deviate just a little bit, and still be able to keep up with today's standards. You know, it's been years since Animal I Have Become has came out. And yet, it, it's timeless. You can still go back and listen to it any day of the week. And you will still be able to enjoy it as if it was the first time you heard the song. Yeah, that's true. Like, um, I can still remember, you know, being like 12, 13 years old, being in middle school or whatever. And Three Days Grace was like a very big popular band, you know, at least with people that I hung out with. Because people that I hung out with us were always, we were into the, always into the same style of music. But yeah, even, even, you know, growing up with this band, like they've really progressed kind of like how you were saying and 2013 the very beginning of 2013 that's when the band announced that Adam had left the band and he said something like after 20 years of being a part of an ever evolving band I've been inspired by life to go and pursue other you know other things when it comes to making music and stuff so when that happened, he ended up leaving the band and ended up making his own group, which eventually became St. Asonia. And that's that's going to be another band we're going to talk about in this episode. It's only fitting that we talk about both bands that he was in. And let's go down a list. Let's go down like a little short list. We'll start from their debut album and we'll just talk about a couple of our favorite tracks from the album. You know, why we like them, you know, uh, 
Like, has the song does the song still have meaning to you after all these years? Because they did their debut album was back in 2003, so that was a long time ago. So we'll start with their debut album. Do you know much about the about their debut album very much? Um, no, one X. No, that's their self-titled. Okay, that's self-titled. One X was their second album, I believe. The debut album. Uh, list me some songs of that album. I think that album had uh like. I think their very first song as a band was "I Hate Everything About You," which is a great, great track, by the way. I mean, it still gets played on radio today. Yeah, you don't hear it that you, I. I still hear it every once in a while, but not as much. Yeah, but it's it's still a great it's still a great track nonetheless. It had like some really good lyrics too, and the song itself is just like really catchy, you know, with its rhythm. It's I hate everything about you. Yeah. Yes. Would you what, what would you say is probably your favorite track from that record? Honestly, probably that one. Just probably because that one. it is it's a timeless piece, you know. It's a song you always go back on listen to yeah that's true for me it's gonna have to be Just Like You that's an, that's an underrated song that's yeah like that Just Like You is is a really underrated three days race song and sometimes you know people some people probably don't even still know about it you just know their debut album was was kind of like a hit and miss kind of thing cause you know they were just starting out and you know some there may have been people that have been listening to them maybe there's maybe a lot of people still weren't I don't, because I don't think a lot of people really got into the band until One X came out, right? And that was when you know when all their really big hits came out. And that was two thousand six. They skyrocketed. They they took off after that. But for their debut album, it has to be just like you, just because as soon as the song even starts, you're automatically just put into those guitar riffs and everything, and the drums, and then all you can just hear is his lyrics. You know, I can be mean, I can be angry. You know, I can be just like you. That song got me going every time I've listened to it. And for some reason, a long time ago, this is like maybe around the time their second record came out. But I remember when I was listening to their music, I was listening to that song. And I would always listen to that song whenever it was raining outside. Because whenever we would get really bad weather, it would always be like like thundering and lightning really bad. And I would blast that song on my earphones while I was kind of like staring outside while it was raining and I would try to listen to the music over the heavy thunder that I could hear like trying to come inside my head my earphones and while I was doing that it was a little weird at the time it still is today but like the reason I would do that is just because uh, while I was listening to that song I was trying to see I was trying to see if my music would still overpower you know you know nature outside with this song because it had like really heavy guitars and stuff like that and you know you would your ears would almost never get a break when it came to like you know when that song was playing but yeah I think Just Like You is probably has to be my favorite personal song from their debut album I think it's a really underrated song and honestly it should have got more recognition you know at least to me so uh let's move on to 1X one next was their album, like he's like we said, that skyrocketed. This was, you know, was the record that had "Animal I Become," "Never Too Late," uh, you know, just songs like that. You got a personal favorite? Uh, Riot. 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 One of my favorite songs that I've 
on that album. Next to Animal, I have become. And then you got, you know, Never Too Late, and, you know, which, which is a great song. Very powerful message in that song. But that, that album laid the foundation for Three Days Grace. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember Riot. I haven't listened to Riot in so long. Is that the. I go like, Let's Start a Riot. Yeah. Is it the, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Because I know a lot of songs that. I know a lot of songs that have. They have riot riot names, so I was trying to see if I could remember. Thank God I actually didn't mess that up. Um, probably never too late is probably my personal favorite, just because you know it's it's somber and it's not really like a an extremely heavy song, kind of like their other work was. Like comparing it to Animal I Become, you know, Animal I Become is like just kind of a ruthless song you know it's trying to send that powerful message you know that we all have like we have we all have something eating away inside of us and we're all like we sometimes we, we we're all not all how you know sometimes we feel like maybe we have a monster inside us and like you know how it's changing us but never too late i remember listening to this song a lot during my teenage years especially during school because like i said earlier this is around the time where it was around middle school when the band started getting really popular due to this album. And I remember listening to Never Too Late. Um, I would listen to this song whenever I got sad. Like, uh, whenever... Not really having hard times or whatever, but like, uh, just when I had like those sad days, whether I was upset about something or things like that. Even though the song itself is kind of a little bit sad, but... For some reason, it, it always just kind of cheered me up, you know? It just, the lyrics really sent a powerful message to me, and at the end of the day, after I've listened to it, it always helped cheer me up. What about you? Yeah, I would say the same for that song. It's, it's, it's one of those songs that it talks about the struggles of, you know, inner demons, and it talks about how that can be hard to overcome. But it's a very powerful message in the sense that it's telling people that it's not too late to overcome it. Yeah. You know, that it's still possible to not give up when life beats you down. You know, to always get back up, always get back on your feet, and to keep pushing forward. And I think, you know, it's a beautiful message in that song. And the album as a whole, it's just one of three days, if not their best work. Yeah, I agree. Um... So let's move on to their 2009 album. This is their third record. It's Life Starts Now. This album was kind of tough to get into at first. Because I remember I was in, I think I was a freshman in high school when this album came out. And I remember I was in my Spanish class. And it was when class was about to be over. You know, uh, we weren't really doing anything the rest of the period. I remember I got on my phone. And I got on, and I saw on Google that they just released a new record, and they released a new single. It was called "Break." So a little bit later, I listened to the song, and I instantly fell in love with it. You know, it, the lyrics pretty much describe you know breaking away, breaking away from things, you know whether it's bad or good, and you know not everything has to define who you are. You know, like break away from everybody, break away from everything. You can't stand the way this place is. You know, just things like that. That's the album itself is really good, but that's like the one song that really stuck out to me. It's just 
And I like how they even added like the little chorus, like the the chorus singing in the background during during a portion of the song. That's just my personal favorite. What about you? Do you have a personal favorite from that record? You know what? That that album just kind of flew under my radar. It was at a time where I would just discover it in other bands. You know, I was getting more into like the punk scene. So I didn't really listen to that album too much. So I don't really have much to say about it. I, I will note that that's where the evolution started to shift for Three Days of Grace. Mm-hmm. They started to go in a different musical direction, which in their next upcoming album, which would be the last album with Adam, you you know, th- th- this album is pretty much the predecessor to the way that their sound would, would be. And I'm pretty sure Adam got influenced to, to leave the band from that album. I, I think at that point is when he realized I want to switch things up from the t- traditional route they took, you know, on one on one act in, in their earlier albums. So. Yeah. So we're going to move this along. Uh, Transit of Venice. This is 2012. This is the year I graduated high school. This is the one record that I had the the most trouble getting into. I only like maybe just a couple of songs on this record. It's just me personally. It's just my opinion. But like, really, the only really great song that I actually loved from this record was Chalk Outline. I was I was about to mention the same thing. See, this this album, like I noted earlier, it was that that dramatic change of sound. And it's, it's an album that a lot of people look at and just like, you can do better, you know? Yeah, like, um, I know the album got, like, some decent reviews and everything. It got mixed to positive reviews, but, um, just for me, like, it came out of, it came out at a weird time in my life, you know, I was graduating high school and everything, and I was kind of finishing up my last year. Uh, this year I wasn't really too much into music. I, I still listen to music quite a bit, but it wasn't, like, as much as I used to during previous years. Because I, I, during this time I was trying to make up a whole bunch of classes and stuff from previous years, so I had to make up credits. So music wasn't as high on my list at this point, at this particular point. So really, Chalk Outline was probably just the the one the the one song that I actually really love from this album. I'm not saying the whole album is bad. It's just that's like the main one that really stuck with me. You know, it's you looking here like a Chalk Outline on the sidewalk waiting for the rain to wash away. That really speaks to you, you know. Yes. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about this record, you know, it's just, it didn't really fly under my radar, like, I knew it was there, it's just, the time it came out, I just never really wanted to listen to it very much, like, I loved their first single, wanted to actually get around and listen to it, but ended up just not doing it too much, heard a few songs here and there, but that's, like, the main one that stuck out to me, and that was 2012, it was the last one with Adam and the band, who would end up leaving the following year to start singing to Sonya, and then... That's what happened with there. So now we're going to shift 2015. When Matt Waltz joins the band, he joined like I think a few months, I think after Adam left the band. Because um, I think his, his older brother is the bassist for the band. So when he joined the band, they released their first record with him 2015 called Human. This album really freaking impressed me. I love so many songs on this album. There is Painkiller, there is I Am Machine, Fallen Angel, Fallen Angel, 
There's a song called Tell Me Why on there. That's like a really good song. Um, there's a really underrated song on the album called So What? And it goes something like a, so what if I'm crazier than crazy? You know, so what if I'm sicker than sick? So what if I'm not in control? It's a, it's a really, really catchy song. I recommend you listen to it. It's you, really you showed song. me that song. That it's song was catchy. so catchy. And a lot of people, you know, with change and everything else, with vocalists and everything, as usual, a lot of people weren't on board. Yeah, a lot of people gave him flag, you know, just just because of the change. They grew so used to hearing Adam's voice that they, they didn't want to accept any change in the band. But I think it was a solid effort on Matt's part to make his debut with the band and to be able to produce something of that quality. It, it just, it's amazing. That it is. And then with it being his first record with the band, that he really, really, really impressed me. So I know we're kind of I know we're kind of flying through these records a little bit, guys, but I'm trying to I'm trying to save a little bit on time just so we don't talk too much about one artist. So their their most recent album with Matt 2018, it's his second album with the band, Outsider. This album, it's probably my most favorite album by this band out of the whole six records I think that they have. I listened to this song three or four times on repeat because I bought it. Every song on this album impressed me. I cannot pick a personal favorite because every song is great in its own right. This album has so many great guitar riffs, the bass, the vocals, the drums. Matt's vocal and lyrics are on point every one of these songs no matter what they're talking about I really wish I could pick a favorite but at the same time I'm glad I can't because this record is my favorite record and the reason why I love this record more than all the others is when I was listening to this album on repeat I was getting a vibe that I didn't get when Adam was with the band with his music like, cause, you know, I'm always going to miss him not being in the band anymore. I loved all of his music and everything for the band. But, you know, they didn't really, like, excite me, you know, the way the first time I heard their new songs. But when I was hearing Matt's albums, the, the two albums he's currently done, I ended up getting a feeling while I was listening to Outsider that none of Adam's records even gave me. Because I loved every single song on this album and I didn't love every song on any of Adam's albums if that makes sense so when I was listening to this record it gave me the feeling that Adam didn't give me when he was with the band and it just gave me like that intensity even with this record I think a very underrated song on Outsider it's right left wrong that's the opening track for this album and as soon as you press the play button you're instantly getting thrown into some heavy-ass guitar solos. The reason that song resonated so much with me is because at the time I was going through a falling out with a friend, or an ex-friend in this case, and they had wronged me. And then you get to that little section where it gets a little, you know, softer in the song, and then you can hear the drums in the background, the do-do-do-do, you know, just getting heavier, and then it explodes into... I don't want any. I don't want anything to do with you. You know that's what Matt says in the song, and I, re- I related so much to the song because you know it fit my situation so well and the circumstances. 
and I just fell in love with that song. And I'm like, God damn, man, you can write, you know? Like I said, I can't pick a personal favorite, but if I did have to pick one song that I actually do like, that I actually maybe possibly love more than the others, even though there's no bad songs in this record, the one that really sticks out to me is the song Chasing the First Time. That song, like, has a chorus in the middle that just kind of really speaks to you. He goes, uh, nothing lasts forever, no. All, all our lives are temporary. And we spend our lives, ser- spend our lives searching for that once-in-a-lifetime thing, you know? That, this album, like, it really impressed me. And it's my first 10 out of 10 album with this band because I'm starting a list on 10 out of 10 albums that don't have any bad songs. This album just made number three. And we'll talk about the others eventually in another subject while I'm making this list. Just wanted to throw that out there. But to wrap up this uh, talk about Three Days Grace, they have a really good career. With Matt being in the band, they're only going up from here, and I can't wait for the next record. I'm pretty sure it's coming out next year, and I cannot wait to see what they're going to do next. So with that being said, guys, we're going to go ahead and switch topics now. We're going to go switch over to St. Asonia. So, St. Asonia. This band so far, they've only released two records. They have had so much of a rocky career start over the past five years that they've been around. Their self-titled debut album was just part of my language, everyone. It was complete shit. (laughs) Everything about this album was wrong. There was no chemistry. Like, everyone was fighting to try to, I guess, try to make each song a certain way. Adam was, like, struggling, trying to... He, he almost sounded like he was trying too hard when it came to his singing. And he was also... Sounded like he was also trying to match what was being played in the background. And it just completely did not work at all for me. Even in the sample that we showed, you know, moving into this segment, you can just tell that he's trying to overpower the instruments. And it's not working in his favor. You, the number one thing you don't do as an artist is sing over a solo unless it absolutely fits. But it just doesn't fit. And when you look at Flawed Design and their debut album, it's such an increase in quality. Their debut album, and you can go back and read all the comments, all the reviews. Everyone said this was three days grace, but of a shittier tier. Yep. And while I was reading into the into into the production for their debut album, you know, they had only released their debut album like two years after Adam had left Three Days Grace. And it was before Matt joined in with that band, took over. A lot of production problems were apparently going on, you know, when they were trying to make this record. Um a big part of it was was that a lot of the band members were kind of disputing on how how certain songs should be played a certain way. Uh, they were, I guess, like sometimes I guess their guitarist would want to play different a different type of riff, while the drummer was trying to was trying to drum a certain way and the bassist wasn't really on key. 
and Adam was trying to, you know, while he had singing the lyrics and everything, it's like they were all trying to struggle just to try to stay on the same page when they were trying to play each song. And that's why if you listen to their debut album, just me and you personally, because I know you feel the same way that I do, everything just doesn't mesh like at all. It's like Adam is trying too hard to sing. Everyone's trying to play like at a different pace and he's just trying his best to keep up with what's being played and it's, it, it doesn't sound right at all. It sounds like shit. Pardon <laughs> my language, but like... It's almost like the band didn't have any chemistry together on their debut album. It's almost like they... Half of their album was like struggling to try to get on the same page. And when they got to maybe like the last song or two, they're like they still hadn't gotten on the same page and they were just like, you know what? Fuck it, let's just let's just finish this, these last couple songs and then we'll just throw it out there. We'll mix it the best we can to try not to make it sound horrible and just throw it out there. Now that's probably not what happened, obviously, but that's just my personal opinion of what probably could what probably could have happened. But it it, it still sounded terrible. Yes, the album just it, and it, it and it had a lot of potential to be great, but like you said, they needed to find a way to work together. And uh, mixing of the album needed to be redone. Big time. They should have, they maybe should have spent another couple of months, maybe like the next year, trying to maybe get on the same page or try to find a way to work things out. Because I know everyone was, like I did read that a lot of the members were trying to do things their own way instead of like really working together as like members. Whereas like one person would think it would sound good one way and you know the other two or three people think no it should be this way and it's almost like whenever they started recording trying to record new music they all started trying to play their own way instead of you know working together and then Adam was you know just singing because you know he's still a great singer he's always going to be a great singer as long as he's doing music he's going to be a great singer but whenever he was trying to sing certain notes it literally almost sounds like he was trying too hard like whenever his screams and his yells it sounds like they were putting a strain on his voice and it just didn't it didn't all mesh right like it's I'm not trying to bash on the band or anything but like it's 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 just crazy to think about like you know like they're I can't believe like how bad their debut album was to me personally but um do you have any more thoughts on their debut album? not really other than you know, if you're getting into the band, I would highly recommend you stay clear of that album. They only have two albums. And when your debut album is trash, that's not a good sign. Luckily, they bounced back. They bounced back pretty hard. That they did, because their next record was released four years after their debut album. And in between these four years, they had, I think, two, I think at least two of their current, their current members that had left the band to pursue other projects. Adam Gontier, he brought in his cousin, his younger cousin, I think. I don't know if he's older or younger, but I know it's his cousin. He uh, brought him in as a background vocalist for the band for their upcoming second record that they came out with late last year, in 2019. And they got a new guitarist as well, I believe. I think he came from Seether or another band. I can't remember which one it was. My gut's telling me it was Seether. But, and then out came the pretty much perfect album, Flawed Design. It was released in 2019, 
towards the end of the year, a significantly major improvement over their debut. Everything sounded so much better. All the members seemed like they were on the same page now. When it comes to writing the lyrics, playing the instruments, you know, the background music and stuff like that, everything sounded so much better. And this album spawned so many great songs. My personal favorite being This August Day. This album, like, was... It blew my mind. Because I remember I was at home one day and I was... I woke up one morning and I got on YouTube and I saw that they released a new single called The Hunted. Amazing song, by the way. Featuring Soli Erna of Godsmack. I called you... And I, I listened to it first, and then I called you, and I was telling you the news, and I remember saying something like, Dude, Amir, Sandy Sony just released a new song. I know you're probably not too thrilled hearing that. I listened to their new song. It's called The Hunted, and it's actually good. <laughs> like, they're, they've found their sound. Like, they're starting to find their sound. What do you think about Flaw of Design? It's a great album. The whole album is just great. It's a really big step up from their previous work. Like I like you mentioned, this August Day, easily the best song on the album. That but that that's not to downplay the other songs on the album because every, this is one of those albums and it's very rare that a band nowadays pulls this off. This is an album that you can listen to any song on the album and it will still be enjoyable. This whole album you can listen to front to back and there won't there won't be a bad song on at all yeah like it's it's like whenever they got their new members everyone immediately got on the same page when it came to writing new material and you know doing things for it to making their songs Adam's singing was definitely improved like he didn't he didn't really try to over try to overplay it the way he did in his in their debut album Everything had so so much great chemistry together in each song. It's literally the way like the band should have sounded on their debut album. Like this is the way it should have been. But you know, you have to start sometimes, you know, if you start out bad, the only if you start out low, you know, the best thing you're gonna wanna try to do is go up from there. This album was it blew my mind. I really wish I could say more about it. Because I know we're, we're on a little bit of a time schedule, but if anyone out there that's uh, that likes Adam Gontier singing, especially from his time with Three Days Grace, go out and listen to Saint Asonia, listen to their album Flaw Design. It is incredible. Do you have anything else you want to say real quick? Uh, like you mentioned, this album is definitely worth giving a try, giving a listen to. And it's a big improvement from their last album. I know you guys definitely gonna enjoy this if you decide to check it out. Definitely. So at that point, guys, um, we're gonna go ahead and take a little bit of a short, short little break and intermission. So we'll see you guys back here in just a quick sec. Welcome back, everyone. 
uh, from that short little brief intermission. Now, we're going to get on to our final band topic for the day, which is going to be Bull of My Valentine. Um, I don't know if we had mentioned or not earlier in this episode, but uh, there's a band that we were going to talk about that's going to be moved to next week's episode due to time restrictions on this one. So we hope you guys understand, and let's get into our final topic of today, which is Bullet Mar Valentine. So I'm here, Bull with my Valentine. This band has a big significance for us because whenever you got hired at the same place that I work at, we work at the same job, whenever you got hired, talking about Bull with my Valentine was the main reason we got into being friends was because we we started talking about them and music and stuff. And that was probably the first band we had ever brought up together. And then, you know, we pretty much just started having, like, kind of music trivia while we were working and stuff like that. And it kind of just took off from there. And here we are two years later, we're having a podcast talking about music. <laughs> so, um, how about, um, what do you feel about Bullet for My Valentine? I think they've had their ups and downs as a band. But overall, I think they're pretty solid. You know, you look at their earlier work, um, the Hand of Blood EP was good. The Poison, Scream Aim Fire, even Fever has some brilliant songs like Your Betrayal, for example, uh, Bittersweet Memory. And then it's, it started taking a turn once it reached Temper Temper. Now, 2013. Me, me personally, I didn't mind that album. You know, in my opinion, I think it's a very underrated album. It got a lot of hate for the change of sound and you know I understand you know the, the mixing on that album wasn't the best you know there weren't many there wasn't a lot of solos on that album I understand that so I can understand why it has uh, gathered the hate that it has however I still think it's an underrated album and a lot of people should give it a second chance. Now you move on to Venom, and Venom was that big step up from Temper Temper. That was. Venom was the album that brought a lot of the old fans back. Now we still didn't see any solos on that album, or you know, not too many of them. But the mixed in on that album was great. The songs were great. The chorus was catchy on every single song. And it, it really drove home, you know, the, the direction the band was heading in. And a lot of people loved that sound that Venom had. And then came Gravity. 2018. And Gravity, like Temper Temper, ended up pushing away a lot of fans because they felt that Bullet for My Valentine had forgotten their roots. That Matt was uh, just selling out, essentially. But what a lot of people don't understand about that album 
it's not that it's an album full of anger and hate. It's an album that allows Matt to reflect. He was going through the divorce with his wife at the time. A lot of the songs that he wrote on the album was about her. You know, you look at uh, Don't Need You, right? The music video is picture perfect. You know, it paints a perfect example of uh, marriage and, you know, they're in, they're in the cathedral in the church and uh, it shows the couple and it, it, the lyrics, you know, reflect on it divorce saying, I don't need you anymore. I don't need you to be part of my life anymore. And then you got songs on the album like uh, Breathe Underwater, which she reminisces on the good times that he had with her and he wishes that they could have stuck together that you know it could have continued on and that had, nothing that he ever did was ever good enough for her and it, it, if anyone has ever been in some type of toxic relationship or anyone's ever been in a one-sided friendship or relationship of any kind you'd understand how uh, you can give and you can give and you can give and it can never be enough for the other person and I think a lot of people relate to this album you know lyrically and uh, spiritually and you know despite the, the massive change in sound I think it's, it's one of those albums in which you have to be going through a similar, a similar situation to truly understand its greatness that's true um like Personally, Gravity was really a big change when it came to, you know, uh, Venom, for example. But it still had its really good fair share of actually good tracks. Like, my two personal favorites on that record is Not Dead Yet and Letting You Go. Like, Not Dead Yet, just because of the lyrics, some of the lyrics that they that Matt ends up singing in the song. I think there's a section where it's like, um... No killing time. We we gotta use it. Can't turn can't turn it back around. So don't abuse it. Um, there's another another line that goes, "Look at our history. Don't put it on repeat. Let's take ourselves and drag ourselves out of this misery." And then he repeats the same line from, "Don't kill. No killing time. We gotta use it." It's just lyrics like that that just that really take your brain for a spin, you know. And like that specific one really spoke to me. Letting You Go, what drew me in for that song was the opening. Because um, if you actually watch it on YouTube or anything like that, it's got a little bit of a longer version than the regular standard song. Where it shows, um, instead of like just a normal opening song, it starts off really, really slow. And you can just hear like, uh, you can just hear like a tone that's like going up and down in the background, just like... Uh, it's almost like they're kind of tuning the the, uh, the instruments in the background or something. And then eventually it flows into the song actually starting where you hear like the electronic uh, the electronic background. And the first time I heard that, I started thinking about a lot of stuff from the past. And it almost kind of made me sad a little bit the first time because when I first heard it, I, I just imagined myself like outside somewhere on the street where I'm kind of having like a like a sad look on my face or like uh, I'm deep inside my head thinking about stuff that I don't want to think about or remember and literally this song ta- like even touches on subjects like that 
Like, uh, there's one point where the lyrics go like, um, first you want to hate me, then you want to love me. This is how I'm feeling. You know, things like that. All that stuff, like, if, like happened to me. Yeah, it's probably happened to every one of us. And just hearing those lyrics, it, re- it really just, it makes me think about stuff. And sometimes it's stuff I don't want to even think about. But nevertheless, you know, that doesn't take away anything from the song for me personally. I do still love the song. It's one of my favorites. Um, I can't pick between the two on which one's my favorite from Gravity. I really wish I could, but I can't. They're they're both at the number one spot. But um, I can understand why people, you know, they really didn't like too much of Gravity, just like how they did with Temper Temper. But I think if you really go back and listen to both records, I think you should give both records like a second listen, you know? And who knows, maybe you'll actually have a change of opinion. Temper Temper, I think, was a really underrated record. Even the title track, Temper Temper, was it was a really catchy song. And, yeah, Pop, I really think that you can literally just go back and listen to it. You might actually find some tracks here and there that you actually enjoy, because... It's not like I don't think anyone can hate every single track off the album. Maybe some people do. It's not really for me to say. But in my opinion, at least, maybe people should go back and maybe give give a couple of their records a second chance. Specifically those two. Because those two were probably like uh, the two that were kind of the most disliked so far. Um, I think they're going to release another record next year. They've been doing it like in three intervals. You know, that was a subject we talked about long ago, back in the early episodes. I still hate it, <laughs> but you know, there's not really anything we can do about it. But, um, you got anything else you want to say? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'm pretty sure we touched on all the subject. And, um, if you guys really want to go all the way back to when Bullet for My Valentine wasn't even Bullet for My Valentine, uh, you can listen to, listen to Jeff Kill John, which was, you know, the same members, the same group. But uh, just under a different name, and a lot of their earlier work from Jeff Killjohn would go on to inspire uh, some of their earlier work with Bullet for My Valentine. Yeah, that's true. Um, didn't um, I got one last thing I want to say is um, when they were making Gravity, didn't they? I remember reading something on its page, and I think I remember it saying it something like. Um, with when it comes to gravity sound you know it's moving away from like their from like their original couple albums you know especially with venom and it was saying that they this sound on gravity was a, was more closer to their sound as jeff killed john i don't know if that's true or not i haven't really listened to them very much i probably need to go back and listen to them but that's just what i read i don't know if it's true or not but it it did say that the way this album was made, it was kind of going back towards their earlier work when they were under that persona for their band name. Well, Jeff Kojana is, is more sounded to, you know, the Poison or Screaming Fire than it is the really Gravity. Yeah. So I, I don't know how true, you know, that statement would be. Screaming Fire was all over the place. <laughs> like... Even I think even Matt said at one point that Screaming Fire was kind of like he wish like he would have done the album completely different 
than the end result of what of what we have now. And that album came out 12 years ago. That was 2008. But it's still, you know, it's still regarded as one of their best albums. Oh, yeah. Rightfully so. They got great songs on there. The title track is even amazing. Like, uh, that, over the top, over the top. And now it's killing time. Like, it's, it's really catchy. So, uh, I guess that's going to wrap up today's episode, everyone. Um, we hope you all enjoyed. Stay tuned for our next weekend, which is going to be episode seven. We're going to have some good, interesting topics. And we're going to be talking about another band that we were going to put in this one, but we had to postpone to next week. So, Amir, you got anything you want to say last time, this time? Uh, I guess if, you know, on, on an ending note, there's one thing to take away from this podcast today. It would be to definitely give flawed design a chance. You know, just, if you love Three Days Grace, if you love Adam, give it a shot. And he's talking about Gontier, not me. <laughs> well, yeah, well, if, if, if you love Adam right here, too, why don't you go ahead and give it a shot? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Both Adams need love. Yeah, well, one's doing a lot more successful than, than the other one is. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you guys in next week's episode.